I mean, why not start with some really, really hard-hitting traditional drums? Ladies and gentlemen, wherever you're listening from, whether you're catching up with um, the audio record of this conversation tonight or you're listening um, live, wherever you're coming from, wherever you're listening from, this is the Bitroom Africa. I love the African drums. And so tonight, we just want to start our journey with a little bit of drums. Today on the Pitch Room Africa, we'll be discussing with one of Africa's finest entrepreneurs, Ifoma, who have actually set out to solve one of the most important crises in the continent as it stands. Um, as usual, my name is Sidi Sako. This is the Pitch Room Africa. And as usual, as part of our tradition, please use this time, even as we wait for our guests to join us, use this time to share around, share with people in your community, share with everybody that you think should be listening to this conversation and let them join us live and uh, let us have fun having the conversation, but also asking questions and, you know, proposing ideas um, that will be interesting and will make this conversation very vibrant. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, Esther Richards. Hi, Esther. Hi, Siri. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. How are you doing, Esther? I'm doing great. It's such That's... a pleasure to be here again. Great. Fantastic. Tell me, how is Nigeria? Tomorrow is D-Day. What's happening on your side? It's tense. I mean, expectations are everywhere, and then we're all set to vote. Listen, whatever you do tomorrow, make sure you stay safe, stay sane, and vote your conscience, as always. <laughs> sure, TD. Great, fantastic. I can see that we already have um, Ifoma joining us here. I'll just um, send her an invite so she can drop us um join us on stage if Omar, if you can see this invite please accept um but even before we start as as usual we're going to take our time to just get a lot more people into the space so a lot more people can hear us have this wonderful com conversation with Ifoma, and uh, we hope that this conversation will be an important one an exciting one one that will actually present an opportunity for all of us to listen, learn, but also embrace the journey of this amazing entrepreneur and how she set out to solve one of Africa's biggest challenges. So do me a favor, share this video, share this audio, share with members of your community, get them involved, get them in the space, and let us have a very cool one hour together tonight. And I promise you, you will not regret it. Wherever you're listening from, ladies and gentlemen, whether you're here live or you're catching up on a recording, this is the Peach Room Africa. Hey, 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 h
Yes, yes, we are back. And uh, I'm really, really excited for this conversation because I'm someone who is very passionate about not only the African continent, but exactly how and how exactly how we're building to securing the future. And tonight we are joined by someone who have actually set out not only to build a business, but to actually solve a very challenging um, situation and even something that potentially puts all of us in the continent at huge risk, if not solved. So entrepreneurs like Ifoma have actually set out to solve this. So who is Ifoma? So tonight in the Petrum Africa, we'll be discussing who is this bright, brilliant, young entrepreneur who have started this journey called Secluded and what she's been able to achieve through this journey, but also some of the amazing insights and the amazing um, stories she has to tell us. Ifoma, good evening and welcome to the Petrum Africa. Hi, thank you so much for having me and thank you so much everyone for coming. I heard you ask um, Esther how she has been. I mean, for this event, I think when I accepted it, I didn't know it was the day before the election. The mood in Lagos, Nigeria has been tense. <laughs> I'm particularly vested in the election because, I mean, um, just by working in the women economy, I find that the, um, um, how would I put it? Women are the biggest because of the role that they play, they are one of the biggest people that get influenced when the community or the economy break down. They are the first people that are subject to rape. Their children are sent for different things. And so just seeing the way that the um, political space has played out in the last one year and just the hope, the energy, it's just been... Um, yeah, the mood in Lagos is different and very intense. But yeah, I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, I mean, we're happy to have you um, with us. But um, just so you know, I think um, for a lot of us in the continent, this election is a defining moment. As a matter of fact, I think personally, I believe this is probably or easy, easily the, the, the most important election happening anywhere across the world at the moment. Because not only is Nigeria going to... Um, you know, determine the future of the country through their votes tomorrow in the next five years or 10 years, but it's also going to define how politics is played across the continent. So we're actually hoping for the best. We're hoping that, yeah, we're hoping that, um, you know, um, people go out, vote peacefully, hopefully, and come back home and just sit down and be ready to accept whatever results that is put out out there. Because at the end of the day, what truly matters is you and I and everyone else that makes up the ecosystem. So this is not only about Nigeria. This is about every one of us. Believe me when I say this, Ifoma. Uh -huh. Yeah. Great. Fantastic. So on the pitch room, Africa, we like to do what we... One of the things that we really, really like to do is to not only get to the conversation and start with, hi, what's, tell us about Ifoma. No, we want to, you know, really dig into the un, unheard stories, the, you know, the authentic side of Ifoma. So this is one of the reasons why we refuse to send questions ahead. 
Um, so I hope you you bear with us because our questions are only yeah. going to be from the heart and we are hoping that a lot more people will join us and have that listen to you learn from your journey but also you know if they have an opinion that would like to share please ensure that um for those of you here live please ensure that you're happy to share that um, information or you know that's whether it's a question whether it's um an opinion that you have please feel free to share that with us um esther 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 tell me what is happening welcome ifoma for us let's get the ball rolling hey ifoma we're so excited to have you here i know it's tense i mean personally i'm so tense recently i just had to publish my own contribution to encouraging people to vote right and letting them know that their votes can affect their health. You know, this is my own contribution. I've seen a lot of videos. The whole of today, I just decided not to look at social media. I just decided to look inwards. I decided to just, you know, put all the energy that I have to go out and vote, right? So I just want to welcome you and thank you very much for being here. I see Farida here. Welcome, Farida. Um, thank you so much for honoring this invitation, even when you had the chance to say, you know what, Esther, <laughs> can we decline till next week, given everything that is going on in, in Nigeria today? Um, thank you for being here. We're very excited to have you here. And I know that, like me, there are many other people who are here looking forward to learn something from you, something beautiful from you. So thank you for coming on here today. Welcome, Ifoma. Thank you. Thank you. Great, fantastic. Um, ladies and gentlemen, wherever you're listening from, this is the Pitchroom Africa. At the Pitchroom Africa, we try to bring some of Africa's biggest players um, across the African ecosystem, talking about the entrepreneurs, the investors, the policymakers, and the likes, into a weekly showdown of authentic conversation in what is happening in the continent, but also sharing their expert opinion with us and their journey with us. Tonight, we're joined by Ifoma. Ifoma is the founder of Shikluded. This is the Pitch Room Africa. If I'm here's a question for you. Um, the elections are tomorrow. Um, whatever result that come, uh, that you know, whatever candidates wins tomorrow, what do you think? Oh, did we lose Ifoma? Um, Esther, I think we lost Ifoma, right? Did she leave? Um, okay, she's yeah, she's back. I'm just trying to re invite her again. Um, Ifoma, I've sent you an invite. All right, great. Um, great, you're back. Can you hear us, Ifoma? Yes, I can. All right, okay. So the question that I have is, irrespective of what candidate wins tomorrow, what does this mean for women in entrepreneurship in Africa? What does it mean for you, particularly being an entrepreneur in Lagos, Nigeria? 
Okay, um, so for us and the work that we do, um, just by doing this for the last um, three years, um, I find that um, within the last one year, a lot of people have gotten poorer and a lot of businesses have struggled more. And um, so I'm seeing firsthand the effect of a poor dwindling economy on women and on and the ripple effect that it plays on the quality of life that they have. So um, we're hoping for good outcomes for that to quickly change because if businesses are getting, if businesses are struggling and the inflation rate is increasing, it puts them at more risk. Also in terms of who wins tomorrow, what we're looking at is um, just policies, more policies to protect women um, a policy that caught my attention is the fact that more than ever, I think with globalization and with poverty and just the pressure and everything, more families are broken or more women and have, are having children and they have been, um, they, are, they now have to bear the responsibility of taking care of many of the, of the children. From our data, 95% of women, when the relationship don't work out, they are responsible for taking care of the women, of the children, mm. even when the man can take up a bill. And I feel that that is um, a lax child care law that um, with the population explosion in Nigeria and in Africa, I feel that if that is not addressed, we will have, as in, we would have more broken communities because we have women that are not financially enabled being responsible, solely responsible for five, six, seven children. So yeah, that's, um, that's just basically what we look, what I, that's basically what I see from where we sit. Yeah. Where is this, where is this passion coming from? So, so I've taken my time out to look at some of the work that you, you've been doing and, and, and it's clear that you're very passionate about this space and everybody should care as much as you do. But where is this, where does this become personal for you? Okay. So I want you to imagine that you're a rich guy, very rich, and you're paying your gitman peanuts. It means that you're at risk. Anybody can outbid him. And if you're very important, it means that you're at bigger risk. And that's what has happened in Nigeria and in Africa. The doorway to the next—it's the doorway to the next generation of Nigerians are broke and they are broken, and nobody's paying attention. Um, my dad was shot as a policeman when I was nine years old, and my mom was twenty-seven at that time. I was the first of four kids, and I watched my mom just struggle to bring four kids by herself. It never really occurred to me how much she was trying until one day I went to a cousin's house to, I mean, in Africa, when you don't have money, you go to rich cousin's house and serve them during your vacation and get money, at least to be able to take care of your things. And one day I went there and I saw their nanny and she was crying. I think she just came from the village. And I asked her, um, like, what's up? You are here in Lagos. You're in you should be okay. And she said um, her dad died and her mom ran away and left five of them. 
and they are now being taken care of their uncles by their uncle. And it occurred to me that my mom had a choice to run away. And it occurred to me the very, very important role that women play in shaping the next generation and how just not being financially enabled is a risk for everybody. I work with women every day and I see many of them. And for some reason, there's a narrative. They feel stuck. I mean, I'm married, I have kids, and I know what it's like to be married in Africa. And knowing that there's a woman somewhere that is stuck in an abusive marriage with kids and she just can't move, and that is a human capital that would die in that location and live her life just being neutral, keeps me up awake. And I'm like, if I can save her and just tell her that within her she can keep up, and live the life that she wants. That's sufficient for me. Mm. No, that's that's a very um, that's a very powerful um, philosophy behind what you're doing. So, being being someone who also understands a little bit about that situation, having been raised by my 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 mom, a single parent with five kids, I I do understand. The importance of the or the personal touch that comes in, in into this, but why why did it take you so long for you to start? Um, she included. I wanted to ask this question specifically because, again, like I said, I looked at your journey. I saw the passion throughout, littered all over the place, and in three years, she included. I've done so much. We're going to go into what you've been able to accomplish on that side. But why did it take you that long to be able to say to yourself, you know what, it's time to take action? Frankly, I mean, if you look at my work profile, I started as a business consultant at PwC, then I went on to work in tech companies. I never thought about women. I never thought about starting a company. I mean, I was working, you know, I hear people say they want to be entrepreneurs. No, 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 no. I I felt like I wanted to work in top companies. Then after that, go and do a master's. After that, go and do PhD and just go to maybe an AFD or IMF and just sit and sort of like be involved in developmental work. It was until my last job in 2015, I was working at a seed funding company. And when I was there, I think that was when, you know, everybody was excited about tech. Everybody was writing checks and people were blowing their checks. I mean, they'll give somebody $1 million and in the next six months, the company is folded. So it's like, it's not like the companies were succeeding. And I sat down on different panels. I read different pitch deck and I just didn't see any from women. And it was, it was, it was something that I felt it wasn't right. I mean, at that time, I was uh, married and I had two kids. Uh, I was pregnant with my third child. And I noticed that with each child, I got less confident. And for the first time, it just struck me why I was not seeing women in the sea level and why the current structure of both work and both economy, both finance is not working for women. Women and men are built differently. Their success metrics, their different metrics. To have a balanced world, one of them cannot be the other. And I just felt like, hey, hi, this is wrong, and I need to fix this. And I think with a dash of naivety and, you know, 
when I thought about going to that secluded, I I struggled with it. I know that I prayed about it and I said, hey, I wanted to go and start something because I was pregnant with my third child and I wanted a break. And I heard in my spirit, go and start a call secluded. And I remember talking to a mentor and he said, no, you can't start a company for women. Nobody does that. You're cutting off 50% of the population. And I said, hey, that's what I feel strongly about. And he said, no. And, and we kept going back and forth on the data. At some point, I said, you know what? I'm going to go with my gut and with my spirit and what I feel strongly about. And if he fails, I will die and live with it. And that's how I went to that So it's not something that I thought, hey, I wanted to be an entrepreneur or stuff. I just heard and saw the cry of different women. And I saw the opportunity because even though there's an impact size of it, there's an opportunity called women. When you look at different sectors, beauty, when you look at food, the top consumers are women. But when it comes to financial services, they're not. But I saw the opportunity where I felt that if we can target women and we can teach them finance in the way we teach them lip gloss and make them know that that is an important part of their experience in life that we can do well. And that's what I went to do. I mean, and, and, and you've been you've been doing that really, really, um, you know, really brilliantly. So the, the, the impact side is clearly seen. But let's let's go to, you know, the, the profit side a little bit. So according to a McKinsey, a McKinsey um, study that I that I looked at, the, the continent itself is estimated to lose upwards of 300 billion dollars in its GDP by 2025 if women are not given access to finance. So about 80% of a lot of the businesses in, in the continent itself, especially um, SMEs um, in sub-Saharan, is driven by women. Um, why do you think there have not been enough work done to actually include, um, to include or you know, open up the access to finance for women? So, um, first of all, if something, I mean, I noticed that with ancient or with um, old, with um, people generally have a philosophy, something is working, why do we have to change it? And it's like, I mean, the financial system has been there for decades. Why do we have to change it? But people forget that it was set and it was built at a time when women were not key contributors to the economy. That's one. Then looking at why they have not been able to make adjustments, I think that when you say women are SMEs, that is sort of like a bit higher. For me, I noticed that many women are MSMEs. And when you start thinking of MSMEs, it starts making it unattractive for many financial institutions because they are like, they don't understand it. And when you come to Nigerian banks, for example, I mean, after a while, it's like, there are other easier ways to make money than to finance a woman. Um, the, that um, mentality has made even the women a bit... Um, so the blames are on both sides. I mean, the banks have algorithms and processes that have worked. Send us your business plan, your five-year projection, your this projection, your board, your this, your this. They've set these principles to guide them and their operations. But the women 
don't have the structure and the capacity and the way that their work and most of their entrepreneurship is structured to provide that. So because of that, they don't even come forward for it. When we look at it, it's a multifaced problem in the sense that the financial institution did not try to exclude them. They just have principles that are based on the way that they work as women. They could not meet, so they just excluded that. But what has happened and what we've seen over the years, especially with especially with more, more people understanding the potential and the market of women, is that many of them are beginning to set up like institutions and um, units and just different things to be able to understand and be able to engage them. Wow. Can you hear me? See yes, this? we can hear you, Esla. Go on. Great. Um, if I'm not, I've just been, my, I've been lost in thoughts while you were speaking. And what played back for me is my mom. And I think um, CD said the same thing that his mom raised five of them. My mom single handedly raised five of us as well. And I imagine that um, t- maybe like 20, 30 years ago, there was a shitluder. I imagine that my mom knew if she had access to, to maybe do her business because she worked in the military space for a very long time. Um, I mean, if she had access to do a business and run it and support the family, it would have, it would have been very, very easy. So um, for me, your story is very relatable, but I want to ask, how has shitluder been able to help women break all these barriers to get access to finance? Um, and is there any um, cap on the kind of women or is it, are there women in, in different sectors that have access or is all women, regardless of your shape, your size, your color? And um, I'll just ask those two questions for now, then I'll, I'll shoot with the other ones later. My dream was every woman, but quickly I began, I started realizing that uh, we have to narrow down immediately because different demographics of women have different um, problems. For example, I mean, initially when we started, I think that I were thinking of, I was passionate about stay at home mom because I felt that that was ideal resources. And I know that, I mean, I have friends that are stay at home and I know their struggles. But I quickly realized that because they cannot um, project and plan their income every month, there's a problem with that demographics. Then I was also thinking of, I mean, it was white people that said, hey, I make 50K, 100K per month. And after a while, I realized that that demographics too, we can't understand them because any small thing that happens, inflation, blah, 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 they just fell back. And then we came up and we came to the higher middle and we said, hi, my theory at that time was that if we can increase this woman's business a bit, she can employ more people. Those higher middle that I um, like to refer them, they're people that, first of all, they can, they have, um, they have um, disposable income enough to be above full infrastructure prevent in Africa. And they, with more information, with a bit more support and encouragement, they can be motivated to grow. So that is our target as we, um, as we said it, as we defined who our customer is, we just focus on those people. 
Our goal for that demographics is to say, hi, your business is already making XXX amount of money. What if we can give you more capital and give you more business support and more information and just help you grow? Because one thing I found when I was talking with the female economy and saying that I noticed that women were taught to give. A lot of women have given their all and they are still giving from their overflow. And that is why they, they don't grow. And just patting a woman in the back, you know, I think it's just that African could just patting a woman in the back and say, hey, you can do it. And just pushing her and saying, go forward. I've noticed that that was even as important as the money. So, yeah. Yes. Um, so my network is, is going up and on. If you guys can hear me, I heard you from the last one. You said the encouragement is as, as good as giving them the money. And I totally agree. But I just want to ask the if you niche down to the higher middle, like you talked about, who are these women? If we're saying, are they women in, are they startup founders, the hard tech companies? Or are they business women that do trading or what kind of women does she create fund that's what I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get here so um we noticed that many of them make greater than 150,000 naira per month we noticed that they play across different sectors from retail to agriculture to manufacturing I think that um, a key thing that struck me with working with women and just by doing she included is not like Nigeria is a trading company. It's basically like a consumption company. Everybody's trading. But what we have done just by focusing on that is to be able to break down and understand the challenges with those that say, oh, I trade on Instagram. I trade um, human hair. I trade different things. So... Um, some of them have staffs from one to like 20. We have people that have 20. And for us, basically, the access of funds that you've been able to receive depends on just the size of your business. So we have clients that are like female entrepreneurs that have raised money that are tech companies. We also have clients that are like small business women, small women in business that are that make like one fifty thousand naira. So we have a good variety of those high end, high um, middle class women. Okay, thank you very much. Um, my final question in this angle will be: so um, you mentioned the gap that when women want to access funds, there are things questions or requirements that become too difficult for them to I kind of like just push them away. So how has she could be able to help them with these barriers and access to funds by providing the funds or helping them pitch for larger amounts of money? How is she really helping them in that in that aspect? In terms of our debt financing, we have noticed that um, I feel that when we started initially I started wondering why don't these women, you know, just try to fill this form? And it got me interested when I had an opportunity to get a loan from um, from somewhere. And it was, 
you know, I mean, I knew the people that were doing the loans and I was supposed to do it. And I went to the form and I could not complete the form. You know, it was, you know, uh, my names, my guarantor, my um, just different things that makes it. You need to understand the profile of the average African woman. The average African woman is busy. The average African woman running a business, especially for small size business in Nigeria, do not have people in their, do not have the skills or have the finances to recruit people on her team to be able to prepare those documents. What we have done differently is to utilize alternative data from these women to be able to create a system of scoring that we improve every day to say, can we find out if she can repay this loan? For example, what we started doing, um, we part of our scoring mechanism is to look at your social media. And what we found out over time is that if a woman posts a post every week, she's likely to always repay her loan. We also found out that if she's in communities, there's some women communities and she's active, you know, she's also likely to repay. We also found out if she's in different communities and she's in different adjusts, she's likely to owe. So we start looking at like, what are those social behaviors that women have that the financial institutions have over time ignored that can help that can help us as alternative data to be able to score them, to make it easier for them. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. My, my question actually is, is kind of like two-sided. I would say um, I agree with you. These are the, the points you've been able to be um, like a scorecard or what you've been using to track their ability to repay their loans so you can know who you give money to. But I'm referring to um, not loans, a loan within your organization. There are grants, there are startup funds, there are there are funds available at different levels for women in business. Yeah. That's what I'm, how does, does she create also um, delve into that to help these women meet up with the requirements? And if yes, how? Or does she create only make these funds accessible through her platform? That's what I'm referring to. So we have a community of over 20,000 plus across our newsletters and um, I think Telegram group. And one thing that we did, because um, when um, when I said she included around the journey, I found out that information that was free on the internet were not available to women. The data and where they get their source of information was different. And one thing that we started doing was that we started sharing those informations on our newsletter, on our platform, just to get more women aware. And we have testimonials of people that said, hey, I got this grant on your newsletter and I applied for it. And that's fine. Other things that we've been able to identify is that our, through our business hub, we've also been able to do like just basic services for them. So if we have women raising funds and they say, hi, I want a pitch deck, we can do it for them at maybe $100 and just give them. And they're very happy because that skill, they don't have it. And to get anybody full-time on their team will be um, a problem. We've also been able to just expand their mind on other alternative source of both um, information, opportunities, and financing that is available that they can use 
So for us on that end, I think what we've done is just present them the opportunities. If they need support in terms of, you know, preparing their financials or just a pitch deck, we also do it for them and we charge them a fee. Okay, thank you very much. Thank you so very much, um, Sidi. Yeah, it's been it's been quite interesting. Um, ladies and gentlemen, wherever you're listening from, um, this is the pitch deck. Uh, sorry, why am I saying pitch deck? Because if Omar said pitch deck, if Omar, see what you've caused there. <laughs> yeah, this is the pitch deck. Listen, I've, I've seen so many, I've seen so so many pitch decks in my life. So even when someone mentions pitch decks now, it's almost like as if it's a trigger. <laughs> no, uh, just you know, just bringing it back home, um, ladies and gentlemen, wherever you're listening from. Firstly, thank you for all of you that have um, decided to join the live conversation. This is the Pitch Room Africa. At the Pitch Room Africa, we try to bring on a weekly basis some of the biggest players across the African continent, people like Ifoma, who have set out to do some of the craziest stuff in the continent. And uh, we also bring together some of the most exciting investors, venture, uh, venture as well as angel investors, policymakers, into a weekly showdown. Today, we are having a conversation with the amazing founder of Shikluded. This is the Patreon Africa. If you do have a question, please make make use of the chat box. But if you also want to, you know, share an opinion, we're happy to give you 30 seconds. Just raise up your hand and we'll bring you on stage. One of the things that makes our conversation really, really unique, um, as um, again, one of the reason why most recently we're actually listed as one of the most relevant conversation in the African ecosystem space is because we try to bring the authentic conversation, the authentic side, the unheard stories, stories that you've not heard before in any other conversation. And uh, we are doing this specifically because we understand the audience, you listening to us, and uh, the way you think, the way we react to different things. We do have someone who's joining us on stage who would like to ask a question, maybe even um, give an opinion. But before she does that, um, I have a question for you, Ifoma. Ifoma, so since you founded um, She Cluded, you've actually done $1.1 million in, 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 in loan dispersed, right? You've, you've, you've given out $1.1 million. So, I have been working in the African ecosystem space and I know a lot of the tech and I know the, the power behind the data and the number. But tell us about the risk factor because it's not always good and, and, and exciting. Tell us about the risk factor. Tell us about the, the challenges that you're facing now, even as an African entrepreneur solving one of the greatest crises in the African ecosystem or community, sorry, in the African community. Tell us. So I feel that, um, so personally, one of my biggest challenge is just being able to, I think over time when I started, I realized that um, being objective sometimes, you know, um, so when I started, I think I had this mentality of if somebody is drowning, try and save them. 
but as I started running, she included, and I and I said, I said growing in the role because remember I said, even though I'd worked in senior management um, roles and I've worked in consulting, in one of the big four, I was I had to learn entrepreneurship just by being on the role and had to grow into that role. And one thing I've realized, and one thing I quickly realized is that. When people are drowning, you don't jump in to save them. You wait and make sure that they climb out before you come in. Um, that's something that um, I learned on my road. Um, in terms of the risk with our portfolio, um, COVID was a time that I feel like we were most scared of to see what will happen. And we were excited to know that even after COVID, people started paying back. And I think apart from three women that lost their businesses, we were good. Um, as we, as it's new terrain for us, I think when we looked at our repayment rate for last year, it was, what, 91%. And over time, I noticed that with our models and just being able to identify the type of women that we work, we want to work with. We noticed that with learnings and with more data points, we're getting better. So yes, there is risk. We're just trying to, one, make sure the numbers um, manage our risk and make sure that the learnings we're learning from our operations also manage our risk. Let's, let's, let's circle back to um, your journey personally. So, it's, it's always very exciting. You've worked for some of the biggest companies, the PwC, um, Aeroco Partners, and as she included in, in 2019, was um, named a UK Tech Hub. And then uh, most recently, well, in 2021, you were actually listed or selected as uh, one of the companies to be showcased um, by NASDAQ in New York. Um, as a, one of the milestone makers, how how does that validation feels when it finally reaches home? I think my biggest um, validation, or you know, my biggest validation was the first one. That's the UK Tech Hub one because I was like, "Gosh, are you kidding me?" <laughs> you know, when you think you have an idea and you go and start it, and it's like nobody was thinking that way, you kind of feel like, hmm, am I right? So after that validation for me, I stopped looking at, I stopped looking for validation as soon as I got that. And I started looking at them as an opportunity to be able to maybe get access to maybe more information, more funding, more learnings, more connection, more opinions on just how to make our work good. So um, last year, we were one of the 50 companies selected for Inclusive Fintech um, 50 by um, Halcyon Lab and the IFC. And we've had other people um, just notice our work. And for us, it's no more validation for us. It's just, hi, um, how do we scale this in the way that we don't lose our impact and we don't, but we are profitable because for me, I mean, I've sat down with different people and we've started looking at, oh, how do we make this like um, bigger? And at some point I noticed that for them, I want a company that creates change of life events for women. And 
that is the core of why I'm doing this. If not, it doesn't make sense for me. So just being able to stick to that and know that for every accolade we get is how do we get people that feel the same way and how can we utilize them to be able to do more? That's what it is at this point for us. You know, one of the reasons why I asked that question, it's very, very essential, is because this is a huge problem. It's a huge challenge. And I know you know this because yeah. it's presented a fundamental problem that a lot of people for a very long time have been thinking about but have not actually set out to do, to solve. Um, at the moment, irrespective of the the, the, the the booming numbers in fintech that we're seeing across the continent, a lot of the continents, a lot of people in in Africa are still unbanked. Um, in fact, the last the last data that I saw, it's probably um, old now, was I, I think around 2020, that still says about only about 36% of the African um, women, female population have a bank account. So you could see how essential this is. But notwithstanding that, a lot of international organizations, a lot of development partners like the African Development Bank have actually started, you know, hugely investing in making financial inclusion um, more in optimizing for financial inclusion in the African um, space. Question that I have, given that context is, how much money, money versus policy, this is the question, money versus policy, how much money huh. needs to be available for um, a lot more women to have access um, at a very cheap, uh, cheap price uh, in terms of the interest rate? And, uh, or just how much uh, intentionality does our policy need to have to be able to bring on board private players like yourself to get the work done? So I feel that um, there's a misunderstanding and that's, um, and that's um, the first thing I noticed that when I say working with women, women don't want cheap money. In fact, if you look at the history of women, many women gets financial services just they just get it out of the system they borrow money from their from traders and uh, people in the market at 25 percent per month so the first thing that i realized that people policy wants to do is to come in and say let's just give them low interest rate and they will come in Women don't like that. I, no, um, it's not that women don't like that. That is not the selling point for women. I've seen that even though that that is an advantage, they're not asking for, we want to come on the table, give us less interest rates. What is missing is that there's a way to communicate to a woman to be able to bring her on the table. There are targeted initiatives to do, to be able to get the women in the room and get them comfortable enough. There are policies, there are new um, factors to factor into be able to bring it. That is what is missing, not the let's just do the low um, interest rate. Because at the end of the day, from a business point of view, it's not sustainable. I've seen commercial banks say, oh, we're giving people loans at 5%, at 8%. And from the inside, once I talk to them, they say, oh, we just will have to give it to 100 people. It's just for data, and it's just for data. So from 
a policy point of view, I feel that there should be more involvement with players, small, small players, players that are um, outside the structural, the current big institutions to be able to get more insight on how to form policies. Because for me, it's I'm seeing that on a policy side, there is great attempt and that great attempt is moving, but I feel that we more insights on the people that are working in these sectors, it can move faster. In terms of how much money is needed, I mean, this is not just a Nigerian problem or an African problem. I noticed that it's a global problem, but um, African women and um, just black Africans are at the tip bulb, and it was estimated to be what, 1.7 trillion billion gap? And yeah, that's it. But just how much, just how much of that um, needs to be the right investment? Because one of the biggest um, problem that um, you know that I personally have, and this is the controver the controversial side of the conversation, is that most times okay. players, most times players in this in this in this context are. Um, policymakers. Most times, policymakers only use these policies for political um, scores. There is there is a lack of intentionality behind them, and this is what yes. we've seen a lot of African uh, countries at the moment. You know, propagating the the the, the gospel of entrepreneurship, but there is no real. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, active or intentional work being done in entrepreneurship across the African continent. It's still a handful of countries that still have a startup act, right? But everybody's mm. entrepreneurship. So it tells you just how serious these guys are, right? Serious, yeah. <laughs> serious in quotation. It's if you, if I was in a video, I'll, that... I'll be doing a quotation now. Yeah, go ahead, Ifoba. Yeah, I said it's more of a lot of talking than a lot of working. I realized. I mean, everybody's trying to be politically correct, and but I mean, I like celebrating small wins for the fact that that conversation is ongoing. One day, it will catch up with the works. I hope. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you see, you see. So that this is this is the other this is the other conversation. So the other the other the flip side. In that conversation, in in the conversation of woke culture and wokeness, is that it almost always seems like it is only it goes as far as social media allows it to go. It doesn't actually mm-hmm. translate into the actual reality of things happening on the ground. So I was fortunate to work with about a hundred entrepreneurs, all female entrepreneurs in twenty twenty. 21 i think um you know we're supporting these entrepreneurs and i realized that these are by far the most brilliant entrepreneurs that i've worked with across my career and i've worked with a lot of entrepreneurs and i'm not talking only because of um because they are female or because they are male i'm saying hands down entrepreneurism um dedication to building the growth factor these ladies has something that I've never seen, the passion that I've never seen before. But the problem, the underlying problem is 
which 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 is visible in a lot of ecosystem is that there's more there's more competition very unhealthy one than collaboration especially in this niche community whether we're whether where the differential is on sex or the differential is on tech or sector base there's more comp- competition and less collaboration what do you think is the factor for that Hmm. Um, can I, um, sorry, can you repeat your question again so that I make sure I understand? I yeah, so, so, well. so what do you think is a factor behind less collaboration and more competition in the provision of inclu- inclusivity um, in finance as far as the African female uh, population goes? I feel that one is just the African thing first for survival. Um, I noticed that, I mean, I was in DC for four months last year. And I think that whole experience, I mean, I got into Halcyon Accelerator, so I was there for four months. And, you know, just reading about the program and knowing that it was owned by a female billionaire who wanted to bring in impact entrepreneurs from different places and coming back to Africa it made me realize something that um, as a continent and as a person personally I need to get over the survival mentality because it will always keep you always thinking that the competition is the other person whereas the competition is poverty so that's the first thing that I notice. It's just a reorientation. I mean, if you've been orientated in a certain way, which most Africans have been, it takes a lot of work to be re- to reorientate yourself to say that it's, this is not about me. This is um, about a common good. So, for example, when I said I secluded, I don't know, like if you go through most of our medias and stuff, you see so many people on my team on the page and so many other women and I remember someone asking me and saying hi we don't ever see you and I said hi it's not a platform for a former so um just having that mindset is one then secondly in terms of um competition um yeah I collaborate another point that I see with just my own self in trying to collaborate with people is that we, you know how, you know that you guys are supposed to collaborate, but you've not seen that place where it clicks well. I don't know if that makes sense. It's like, I want to collaborate with this person and I'm looking for the right place where we can click in and collaborate and push it forward. So because everybody, again, it comes from it comes back to my first point, because everybody's busy trying to do their own thing and make it perfect, just that effort to push it, to create something that builds a synergy, that pushes both of you together, I noticed that that is always put at the back burner. Um, if Omar, did we lose you? No, 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 I'm here. I'm done. Oh, okay. All right, okay. <laughs> yeah, um, 
Yeah, so so um, for those of you who are here, who are listening to this conversation live, thank you for being here. If you do have a question, we're happy to take your question. But if you also have an opinion to share, please raise your hand and we're happy to pull you up on stage. And even as we round up the show tonight, um, this is the Patreon Africa. We've been having a conversation with Ifoma. Ifoma Udo. Ifoma is the founder of Shikluded. Shikluded is actually a, a financial company that I've actually sought out to solve one of the biggest challenges being faced by millions of women in Africa, which is access to finance. And Ifoma, I know that predominantly you work across Nigeria. Um, tell us, what are the plans for Shikluded in terms of expansion to other countries? So I was shocked when I started getting um, emails from Malawi, from Uganda, from, I think, where again, is it? Yeah. Saying, hi, I saw your company in, um, link- I saw your company on LinkedIn. You should come to our country. That is the same thing. The banks here don't like giving us money. And I was shocked. And then we started doing like, um, I think after a while we started doing research on, in Malawi just to find out basically um, the temple of like women entrepreneurship there. And it was insightful to know that it's also the same thing in Nigeria. But even more insightful for me is to find that, I mean, it's even easier to register a company in the U.S., <laughs> and run a company in the U.S. than to do that in neighboring African countries. Like, the requirements are just, like, insane. So, yeah, we um, we have plans of going into Ghana. We, um, we found a partner that we can work in to just do a pilot in Ghana in Q2, and we'll start with that and just see how it goes. Yeah, um, CD? Yeah. Someone was on. She's here. She wanted to ask a question, but I think we have lost her. In fact, there were two people that wanted to ask questions. So I guess um, I'll, I'll hand over to you. Ifama, thank you so much for such an insightful session, especially with the plans that Shikuria is making. I mean, that's where we want to look at before I hand over to CD. I know you just mentioned Ghana. But beyond the global partnerships and the African collaborations, what's next for Shikluido? So for us, basically, I feel that our vision is to become a well-tech company that enable women to create financial and economic prosperity for themselves. So the loans and the access to finance is the first step. What's just by working and interacting and seeing we see so many other we see so many other opportunities that um that are that are opportunities for us as a company to make revenue and also opportunities for us to actually increase and be able to create those change of life events for women so for us is to be able to one raise money to get the team that we want because um we're still a very lean team and because we are um so i'm one of the people that try to make sure that whatever we do we stay we don't 
get to the point where it will be that hey, we've run out of money. So we're trying to raise money. With more money, I think we'll get the right people that we want, and we'll start. We've started a conversation on some partnerships that will help us get to our vision. And yeah, we're just hopeful to be able to do that. Thank you very much, Informa. So over to you, CD. Great, fantastic. Um, again, if you are here, if you want to ask a question, please raise your hand. We're happy to bring you on board so you can ask your question or even make um, share an opinion with us. I know some of you probably have tried to um, raise your hands. Um, glitches do happen. This is tech. Um, so please try again to raise your hands wherever you're listening from whether you are joining us live or you're just catching up on the record of this conversation um tonight we're joined by um ifoma uda the founder and ceo of shikluded and as always this is the patreon africa Pitch Room Africa is a weekly showdown that brings together some of the biggest players across the African continent, solving the real um, challenges and hoping for a better um, continent. Today, we have Ifoma, who has been with us, spending this one hour with us, talking about um, female financial inclusion, but also the work she's doing in her company, Shikluded. Ifoma, it has been such a great honor to have you today to speak with us. Um, as we come to close of this conversation and um, let you go, maybe have some rest ahead of your voting tomorrow. I do hope you're going to vote. Um, here's a question that I have um, for you. That's quite, it's quite exciting um, question. So you've probably achieved a lot well at the time before you 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 found um shikluded you you had everything you you've been working with some of the biggest um organizations some of the biggest institutions um you were doing well for yourself you've worked in top management what makes you feel insane enough to say you know what I hate I hate myself so much. I'm going to be an entrepreneur. <laughs> so first things first. I mean, I was called to do it. So like, I mean, every day. So I'm a Christian, and every day, sometimes I say, God, I want to do something else, and it's like, no, <laughs> this is what you were called to do. And just doing it, I noticed that it was good work. As I get older, I am very intentional about knowing that one day it will be the end and I'm intentional about legacy to say like I don't want to be lined on the last moment of my life to say that the only thing I did was to raise my four kids and just be there I wanted to have put light in different communities 
And I mean, sometimes I look at Shikluden and I'm grateful to God for the privilege I should do through the work that we do. Because sometimes I shop at work and just do our work. And then we get this message and somebody says, hey, hi. That, um, I I mean, let me tell you a story. So um, one day I... I mean, I had a very bad day in the office and I came back home and then my phone rang and this lady called me and she said, hey, my name is Damini. And I'm like, oh, hi. And she says, hey, I'm one of your clients that she included. In my mind, I'm like, gosh, this is not the right time. And I say, hey, hi. And she says, hey, I wanted to say thank you um, very much. And I said, for what? And she said, um, she um, got cancer and when she was treating her cancer, she had to start developing like, and after her chemo, she lost skin and everything. And that's when she started trying to mix like organic products for herself. And that's how she found her brand, Organics Beauty brand. And when she found her brand, she was in Kano Market and she was selling. And sometimes she took money from the local people, 100,000 Naira from the women in the markets to put back in her business. So she said she went back after she finished paying to tell the woman that, hey, I want 200,000 naira. And the woman said, what do you want it for? And she said, I want to put in my business. I want to have distributors across the um, other states so that I can sell more, blah, blah, blah. And the woman looked at her and said, ah, sorry, I want to advise you. You're going to lose that money and we can't give you money, blah, blah, blah. And she said she was shocked. And one day she found she included online and she applied for 300K. She got it and paid back and she applied for 500K and she had paid back. And she said she just wanted to say thank you. And at that moment, I realized that that was enough for me. For the fact that, and that's what keeps me going. The fact that through the work, I mean, a lot of people will not get this opportunity to be able to do work that they see the direct impact immediately. But for the fact that I do, and I mean, I'm grateful. I'm the lucky one. So, yeah. <sighs> No, I mean that is absolutely uh that's 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 an amazing, an amazing, amazing story. I can see Farida is raising her hands up. I'm not sure whether she wants to join, but I'm going to invite her to speak. Um yeah, Farida, if you do have a question, oh. um you can jump on stage or you can share an opinion with her. Um Farida, Farida, I wanted to say so if I want to go ahead, shoot. <laughs> <laughs> She's on our team. Hi, Farida. Oh, nice. Great. Fantastic. Oh, thank you. I've sent her an invite like how many times? <laughs> Great. Um, if if Omar, the the lady the lady just share you, you just share her story with us. What's the journey like at the moment? Um. So she has. The last time I talked to her, it's been a while though, because frankly. Um, she says she has 11 distributors. I've seen her on different... Like, I mean, one day she came to our office and she brought some of her products for us. I felt that was nice. And, I mean, once in a while, I see her Instagram page. She's she's expanded. The last time I spoke to her personally, she has 11 distributors, but that was a long time ago. I mean, over a year ago. Last year, I was having a baby, so I didn't have time talking um, to them. So, I mean, I can share her details with you, so you can just check up with her. And yeah, no, it, it, yeah, no, definitely. I think, I think I'll just like to have a conversation with her, see where she's, she's going. 
Um, Ifoma, it's been such an amazing moment spending this time with you this hour. I promise you will not take a lot of your time just because um, tomorrow is a big day for all of us in the continent, not only for those of you in Nigeria. And we want everybody in Nigeria to be rested. We now have... um, I'm not sure whether I should call you blockchain fan girl, but um, that's what's on your handle. Um, hi, hi good welcome. Evening. Good evening. Tell us. Can um, you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. Do you have a question or you want to Hello? share an opinion? Yes, um, blockchain fan girl. We can hear you. Hello, good evening. Good evening. We can hear you. Thank you, um, you Ifema, for the work you're doing at Shikluded. Um, I had an amazing time here, and it's so nice to hear about the awesome opportunities you're creating for women financially. Um, when I saw the flyer, I, I my question is not directed to Ifema. I think it's directed to either of the hosts. When I saw the flyer, I I saw um something like funding opportunities, um, mentorship, pitch deck, and collaborations. I would like to ask, I joined the session because um, I'm representing a startup that needs um, access to financial opportunities, but not necessarily loans. We are looking into grants and stuff like that. So, I would like to know how we can be connected to such opportunities for, although it's, it's targeted at women, it's targeted at women, but then it's not necessarily, we don't necessarily want to loan, but we want grants, sort of grants, because it's an NGO. Hi, so if you can send me a message, it's so funny because, I mean, like, if you see my vision board for this year, funding is a key part, and I'm looking at different strategies, including grants, so I'm always applying. When you say there's an NGO, um, I have a lot of NGO um, grants that I can share with you. Thank you so much. Are you also have a Telegram page? I don't know if you are on our Telegram page. We typically... share stuff there and on our newsletter but yes i because i personally have eyes there so i'm always looking for money now too so don't think um so yeah i can share that information with you great fantastic and uh, thank you so much. before is not wanting to call you blockchain fan girl what is your name <laughs> my name is dami lola okay Dami. Um, so one of the things that we do at the Patreon Africa on every month, we bring together our friends, our investors, members of the committee, and they sit here and then they listen to pitches from different entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. And then they listen to, to their pitches, provide feedback, but also offer some can offer funding opportunities if you're good enough. Um, and follow-up conversations. So that happens last Friday every month. But if you do want to pitch to us, to any of the the, 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 the founders or any of the guests that we have, guests like Ifoma that is joining us, please go to our website, 
and from our website you can you know um you know hit us up send us your pitch deck and we're happy to book you in for a session to come pitch to us i hope that information is good enough but also um you've been given an opportunity by a former so reach out to her see how she can also support you dami Thank you so much for your questions and your contribution. We do have Jamil. Jamil also um, would like to ask a question or maybe share an opinion. Hi, Jamil. Welcome. Hi. Thank you, Sidi. Um, just a quick question for Ifyoma. Um, did you um, had to implement um, a different strategy on how to collect um, repayment of loans because um, from experience, I know these um, microcredits or, or small loans tend to have problems, a high, a high rate of um, failure in collecting them because um, we also work um, with women. Our organization also work with women to empower women, set up, setting up businesses for them as a charity um, organization. So I wanted to find out if there are any strategies you had to implement different from the traditional banking sector in terms of loan repayment or collection of loans. Thank you. So first things first, I realized that um, we had to um, redefine who we want to target. And that's why at the beginning of this conversation, I said we said targeting the upper middle people that have some sort of social capital that they wanted to pro- and they want to they feel that they have to protect so example if you if you give me money i'm likely to pay back not just because i'm a person of integrity but because i mean i take myself seriously so we started um that um just from our origination instead looking at our origination differently another thing that we did is the fact that we also do not um, cater for we, I don't, we don't do loans below hundred thousand. So a number of people that we noticed, I don't think women have problem getting twenty thousand, ten thousand. I think that they have problem getting one million, two million, five million. So we just focused on those people. I mean, for us to be able to give you that kind of money, it means that you have to show that you've made some sort of significant investment in the work that you do, and. Yeah, that has helped us. We've also been able to do different... um, We've also been able to look at different strategies for our recollection, and some of them work. Some of them... um, um, Some of them work, and, yeah, we just change them from time to time, depending on the situation. Um, I know there's... On one situation, we we got a lady's husband involved, and he paid the loan. So, yeah, I feel that it starts from our targeting and our communication. I feel that um, over time, we've also been able to make them feel like um, they are not just, so it's not just transactional because women, is, they don't do very well with transactional relationship. We try to make them feel like a part of something. We notice that even when they have problems and there's a delay in payment, they communicate and they start paying and eventually they pay everything. Thank you so much for that insight. Insight. I've learned um, quite a few things from you tonight. Thank you so much. 
thank you okay so it's um i think it's 10. thank you so much yeah Ifomo, thank you so much for your time we Thanks. sincerely appreciate your coming and not just your coming i know what it took to have you here um so your time here is very very valuable and we appreciate it um i wanted to ask a question but i'll just leave it there as your final words for um women who are wearing um the shoes that you're wearing currently and are finding it difficult to take a big step into building a business. You're a mom, you're a wife, you're a founder, you're a businesswoman. How are you wearing all those shoes? So just leave some final words for any woman trying to step into your shoes or any woman currently wearing your shoes and feeling overwhelmed. Uh, so I get always, I, I always ask people, I always get that question to say, how do you do it all? And I said, um, at some point in my journey, God taught me how to forgive others. And I didn't understand the importance of that until I grew and I said when she put it. And I became an adult and I realized that I have to forgive myself. So I don't do all of them very well at the same time quickly sometimes different things struggle i mean i was away for four months last year for an incubator my kids were at home with my um, with my mom and i'm back but i always what i always do is i always intentionally say hey i'm a mom i know the goals that i set for that role and i do it like a job so I have time that I drive my kids around to discuss with them. I have time that I sit down, teach them the Bible. I have time that I hug them. I know what I, the kind of values I want them to have. I intentionally put it, you know, like I treat all of them like a job. Then for my father, I have time I force myself to sit down and be present. And for my work too. And when I fail in any of them, I don't beat myself to death. I wake up and forgive myself and say to So that's it. And what keeps me moving is the fact that I don't want it um, any other way. Like, um, I want to have an abundant life and I want to have an impactful life. And I feel that um, that's very important for me as I drag my other roles. I'm first a former before I have the definition of a wife, a mother, and every other definition everybody um, have for me. And that Ifoma was brought on earth to do something. And I feel that I want it to be, I want to do them irrespective of my other activities. Thank you very much, Ifoma. It was a wonderful time having you here. Over to you, Stevie. As you round up today. Great, thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, wherever you're listening from, thank you for joining us. Uh, for those of you who have been able to join us live throughout this conversation, thank you. We're grateful. We do not take this for granted at all. For those of you who are just catching up with the conversation tonight, we've been blessed to have Ifoma Ido um, join us. Ifoma is actually um, the founder and CEO of Shikluded. She's been amazing spending the one hour with us. Thank you so much, Ifoma. We're grateful. 
Until next time, this is the Future Room Africa. Don't forget to join us next week. Next week, we're on, on the 3rd of March. We're having Olusola Janos from Vesti. We do wish Nigeria good luck. We do wish everything goes on as planned. And we do wish a peaceful peaceful election tomorrow uh, to our host in Nigeria Esther Richards we do hope you stay safe we do yeah. hope you go out or come back home stay safe throughout the journey and hope nothing goes wrong yep. Until next week when we shall meet here again and have another wonderful time. Have a wonderful and a blessed weekend. Over and out. Bye, team. Bye, everyone. Good night.